couple things I just want to remind you of before we get into the sermon. Uh, as Emily said, uh, tonight we have our charge conference. That's our annual business meeting. It's an important time. Uh, uh, we've uh, sort of lapsed into this attitude in this church that, you know, it'll, it'll happen. Um, that's actually what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks is our, our commitment to the church. We make decisions there, and a lot of what you're taking for granted uh, if things don't start to pick up, we're going to have to start making some changes. And so just want to include, and I know by saying something like that, you'll show up this now because it, what's, what's the problem? So, um, but I just want to encourage you, whether, uh, if you're a member, that's part of what we talk about uh, when, you, when you join is that you're going to support the church with your prayers, presence, gifts, and service. And so hope that you'll join us. And even if you're not a member, uh, you can come. There's important things we'll, we'll talk about. And uh, um, the voting thing, don't worry about it. We're not going to make you sit in a special part of the room and point at you and say, oh, you don't get to vote. There, there's very little about that kind of stuff. So just want to make sure you know about that. The other thing, uh, Ever and Betty Cole are here this morning, and the flowers are for them. They, they're celebrating their 71st anniversary. Uh, and so... And that's a cool thing until I thought, man, only 50 years to go. <laughs> 50 more years of what it played. And Lori's thinking now there's only about six more hours to go. So. <laughs> we, are, we are starting an um, uh, important part of the church. Uh, we need to do it every year, uh, but it's an uncomfortable part of the church. Um, it, we, all, we all have different ideas about what should go on. We all have different ideas about what's allowed in religious talk and what's not allowed in religious talk. We, we all have our experiences we bring. And for a lot of us, we came from churches where, where there was this expectation and this underlying urgency for money all the time. And it just seemed like no matter what the sermon was about, it always ended up being about money, uh, you know, uh, when Lori and I were first married, the church uh, that we were going to, it didn't matter. You could be pre he could be preaching about anything. The punchline was always, we need more money, you know? And, and we've all been there. And I also know that, that that's one of the things that people are very sensitive about, is talking about money. But what we're going to talk about is not just money. It's, it's, it's the attitude, the priorities we set when we go into a servant relationship with Jesus Christ. The fact that we call him Lord and Savior means that we put him in a position of authority over us. That he needs to be the center of, of our lives, that we take direction from him and all things fall under him. In fact, in Matthew 6, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put Jesus in the center and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, if we get our priorities right, everything else falls into place. Now the problem is, we're not very good at getting our priorities straight. In fact, part of what we have allowed to become acceptable in church circles is, I should not do anything that I'm uncomfortable with. I shouldn't have to do anything that makes me feel the least bit stressed because God is love. And because God's love, anything that makes me feel uncomfortable certainly couldn't come from God. 
The problem with that is that's not the way love works. We know that even in our families. Sometimes the love for your kid makes you slap them upside the head and say, stop, right? Sometimes love for your family makes you jerk them, upside the, jerk them up by the back of the neck and say, that's not acceptable, right? Love is more than just always feeling good. Everett and Betty, can you testify to that? That in 71 years, there were some times where it wasn't fun to be married, right? <laughs> love doesn't always mean we were happy. And, and that's, the, that's the trap we've fallen into in the church. And I know we hate talking about this stuff. We hate it. I'm going to ask you to be patient over the next four weeks. I'll give you a hint of where we're going. If this is offensive to you, I think you need to do some soul searching. Because what you're going to get is my understanding of what God is calling us to do. We're not, going to be, we're, not, we're not going for guilt. We're not going for shame. We're not going for coercion. And if, if the way we present this over the next couple weeks offends you, there's something going on there that's making you fight it. Okay? So maybe you need to work through why, that, why am I so touchy there? Okay? I, I warned the, the last question. There's no way we can talk about this without it offending you, okay? And I, apparently I've gotten really good at that lately. So I, I, I'm, I'm just laying it out there for you, okay? That's not my intention. We, we, could, we could settle. Here, here, here's, here's where we're going. That position of Lord in relationship, that calls for everything we have. Our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the great commandment, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It takes everything. None of us are there. But that doesn't mean that that's not where we want to be. We, we need to strive at all times for the perfection, for the, for the calling of God to give him all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what is the number one thing that stands in the way of that for most of us? We might be willing to give him some time. We might be get willing to give him some of our brain energy. We might, even, we might even be willing to give him a certain amount of our, of our life as far as finances. The last thing for most of us to, to end up on the altar is our wallets. And if you think about it, it's the same for all. It's because that's the part we earn in our minds, right? That's the part we work for. That's the thing that, and Jesus knew that, and the religious leaders knew that, and that's why you read the scriptures, the number one topic Jesus goes after in the gospels is about money. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. It's necessary. We're a body of Christ. We are called to be the body of Christ for the world. We're called to be his hands and feet. We're called not to just have a place to come and gather and feel good about ourselves. We're called to join him in ministry, to participate in ministry. If you want to spectate, that's what the Texas Longhorns are good for. They don't need you on the team. Okay, they got it covered. 
You will not make the team if you try out, so don't even try. They need you to be a fan. They need you to scream. They the church doesn't need any fans. We need some participants. Jesus Christ wants to bring hope and wholeness to this world, and the way he does that, crazy as enough as it seems, is through his church. And the way the church needs to do that is through the participation, prayers, presence, gifts, and service of his people. Other churches say it other ways, time, treasures, and uh, talents. Whatever it is, is we're called to be participants in the gospel. But we get lazy at that, don't we? In fact, you know, that's, what, that, that's where we're heading this morning. That, that we can start to take for granted what we have been given. We can start to take for granted what we've been given. Now, I, I'm fortunate. I've, I've got several experiences of church, and not all of them have been bad. I, I have my bad experiences at church. One of them that really shaped me as a teenager. But I've also been able to, to have good experiences in church, to see what they can do when they're, when they're operating the way they're supposed to where relationships come together, where encouragement comes together, where there's a hand that goes out, where there's a, where there's a, a presence and, a, and an energy that's beyond what the, the people are there. Just last weekend, I got to, the reason I wasn't here is I was down in the Rio Grande Valley, uh, where I used to be a youth director when I first moved to Texas and was a youth director in Harlingen. And two of the kids, they were in sixth grade when they started uh, asking, uh, going out together. They actually did it at youth group. They, they ask each other to go out for the first time at youth group. And uh, they've been dating now for 15 years and they, they got married finally. I guess they figured out we're practically married anyway. So we need to, so I went down to do the service. And in, in going down to do that, so it's been 15 years since I've been the youth director at Harlingen. But you know what, those people, there's relationships there that it seems like you picked up from yesterday. And it's some of those people that, that prayed for this church when you didn't even know them, they didn't even know you, they weren't gonna benefit from this at all, they weren't gonna, they prayed for it because they wanted to see it happen. Because they knew it was God at work. Th th those kind of relationships are so powerful. You know, those don't happen unless the body of Christ is coming together. And the body of Christ doesn't come together unless its, unless its members are supporting the church with its prayers, its presence, its gifts, and its service. We all like to talk about the missions that we send out, the, the money that goes out. Guess what? If this church ceases to exist, if we do not have enough money to make the, the church operate, those mission projects go away as well. This is clearing house central for the kingdom of heaven in the Spicewood area through the Bee Creek United Methodist Church. The way God is choosing to do ministry in and through us is in this body. And the way that happens is when we are participants in it. Okay? We're going to talk about sort of motivation for that. What I'm, what I'm calling this uh, sermon series is finish what you started. Finish what you started, and, and where I'm going with that, it, really the, the title comes out of 2 Corinthians, and I'll be preaching that in a couple weeks, but here's the idea. This church is an act of the power of God, okay? 
Our, our existence is an act of the power of God. We, we eight years ago, when they, when they sent me up here to, to help start the church, to help direct it and stuff, for eight years now, we have been experiencing an outrageous blessing from God. Prayers from people we don't even know. Money from people we don't even know. Do you realize, I want you to hear this, because today at our church conference, one of the things we talk about is our budget and stuff, and you see that we send church taxes to the, they're called apportionments, but those of us in the committees talk about church taxes. And it's really easy to get upset. Oh, why are they taking our, do you realize to start this church, the United Methodist Church Southwest Texas Conference invested a half a million dollars to make this thing happen? So it's going to take us a long time to even get back to even. So I'm not going to complain about church taxes. But there has been, there has been a lot of energy that's gone into this place. And you know who directed all of that? God. He has blessed it. He has moved. And, in that, and he has shined through that. Many of us have experienced his love. Many of us have gone through experiences where we've felt his healing hand. We've felt his, his power, his touch. It has been the blessing of God. We have a place now that we didn't have before. I no longer have to say, come join our church. Where's your church? Well, we don't have one, but come anyway. What programs do you have? Oh, I got the program. I'll talk to you if you talk to me. That's, that's the programs we had. We, we have a church now that we never had before. And along with the church comes responsibility, comes maintenance and bills and, and grounds and, and everything else. We, here's where I'm going. The finish what you started is God has started a great thing here. He has blessed us and we, we've open-armed, accept the blessings. But there's something that, you go back to the story of Abraham, when God made contact with Abraham and promised him what he was going to do, and he said, I will be a blessing in your life so that, anybody know? So that you can be a blessing for others. That's the finished statement. I will be a blessing for you so that the things I do in you, the light I shine from you, will be a blessing to others. Here's where I think we are as a church. We've, we've, we've got the start. We've got everything going for us. It's, a, it's our choice now if we're going to be lazy, if we're going to take it for granted, or if we're going to finish what we started, whether, we're gonna make, whether it's enough just to be good for us or... If, whether we want to complete the circle and make sure that not only are we blessed, but that we're a blessing for others. Do you know how many requests I get each week about mission groups and everything else? These, these wonderful things I would like to be able to help with. We can't. There's only so much we can do. And there's even less we can do lately. Do we, want to, do we want to finish what we started? Okay? Revelation, chapter 2. Before you put it up there, let me give a little context. Revelation, I know, a scary book for oh, apocalypse, red horses, everything else. It is a confusing book, okay? At the very beginning, it was meant, though, as a, as a teaching document and as a, as a warning, as a, as a vision 
of what might happen. It's very figurative, it's very symbolic. But at the very beginning of it, there, there are seven letters to churches. Churches that were going on at that time. Churches that, that Jesus, that that was going to be the way the gospel was going to go out. Okay? And the, and the book starts with, with sort of seven report cards for those, those churches. And there's a couple of them that we could relate to. I picked, I picked the church of Ephesus because I think it, it really relates to who we are and what, what, where we're going. Okay, so we're going to use that as a way to connect with what I think God is saying. All right? So, if you want to join me, it's in Revelation chapter 2. Okay, here we go. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Remember I told you, the book of Revelation is very figurative, very symbolic. These are all symbols that point towards Jesus Christ. The one who is next to the throne of God, the one who carries the light that's going out into the world, the one who, who is in charge, okay? So these are warnings, report card grading from Jesus to these church bodies. Hear this, verse two. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars and you have patiently suffered with, for me without quitting. Go ahead and blank it. Okay? If you're going to criticize somebody, what do you start with? Good news, right? So here's the good news. All right? And, and I want you to hear this from me. Because there seems to be this understanding that... that that I'm mad at this church, and, and it's not that I'm mad at the church, okay? Whenever I, I guess my passion sometimes comes across as being angry, I'm not angry with you. If I was angry at you, I'd leave. I'm married to Lori. I'm in, I'm in it to the end with that relationship. The church, I can, go, I can go find another one. If I'm that upset with you, I will move on, okay? So, but it's my job as your spiritual leader to challenge you. It's my job as your spiritual leader to make sure that I don't allow you to just be comfortable. Comfortable only, only ends up in laziness and obesity and shrinking. And you know what? Death. If you're not growing, you are dying. And when you get home, Google mainline churches in the United States. You know the word you're going to see over and over? Decline. Decline. Death. Decline. It's my job to make sure we don't start heading there. It's my job to make sure that you don't, you don't just take for granted what, who you are and what we're doing. So we're going to push a little. And my, ad, my email address is pastor at bcreekumc.org. I love the delete key. That's just the best part. But um, here's what you need to hear. He starts off and says, you know what? You have done a good job. And I want you to hear that. I think this relates to our church. We have done awesome things. I... And I am not, I am so proud of this church. This is, this is my family. 
this is my blood, this is my sweat, this is my tears, this is what keeps me up at night. I was gonna name this sermon, I wish I could get more sleep at night. Because if I could get more, if, if I could get you all to buy back in and we could move forward, I could sleep a lot better because I worry about this thing so much. We have done amazing things. There are people sitting in this room who have, have been healed from, from relationship problems, from illnesses, from horrible things. We have seen friendships and, and relationships that have grown out. There are amazing things that, you have done a good job. And that's what I, don't go too far with what we're gonna say. It's my job to push, but I want you to hear it's not because you're horrible people, it's because I love you, because I care about you, because I wanna make sure that this thing doesn't end like every other one ends, because I, I care about you too much. It's what I have to tell my girls all the time, if I didn't care about you, I wouldn't push. If I didn't think you could do better, I wouldn't challenge you. It's because I, I think the highest of you because I see the potential in you that I'm gonna push and push and push. It's the same with this. There is such potential here. We've got such good fertile soil here, so we just need a push every once in a while. And what's the push? Here we go, verse four. I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as, you've, as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place from among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. And this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let me, let me give you an explanation of what I think he's saying here. Do you remember, those of you that, that you've, you've found that relationship with Christ, do you, do you remember that feeling when you fell in love with him for the first time? Maybe it was in middle school and you were at a camp. Maybe it was in your 20s where you had a campus ministry or, or, or someone important to you that, that helped you to understand. Maybe it's just been in the last six months. Maybe it was at a walk to Emmaus or a, or a retreat like that where even though you'd heard about who God was, it all sort of came together into a picture where all of a sudden, instead of being a concept, you went, wow, God loves me. I need you to go back to that. I need you to reference that feeling. Okay? And what happens? We, we have that experience. We have that wow moment. And, and in that wow moment, we say, wow, with what God did for me, I can't believe that he would even love me. And we're overwhelmed by that. And there's a time where we say, I am changing everything. But then we get back into our homes, we get back into our, our jobs, we get back into everyday life, and it, it just, it, it's not intentional. But the everyday normalness begins to pull us back down to where we were. And that's what he's saying. He says, you don't love me the way you once did. 
that passion that you had, that thing that I will do with what God has done for me, what, what would I not do for him? That passion, that drive, that, that push, that energy, it's just, it's fallen. And you know what? Every single one of us is there because every single one of us allows the everyday life to control. And he's saying, I, I wish you would come back to where I was. I wish you could remember how much I love you. I wish you could remember the way we felt when you fell in love with me. In, in specific with this church, what I'd say is, I wish we could go back to the passion we had when we were having meetings about, it, it used to be we would, if we had 80 members, if we had a meeting, we'd have 82 people show up for the meeting because somebody would bring a friend with them. Now we have a meeting where we're saying, hey, we're, we're struggling financially. We have six people show up. And that was the finance committee that I told them and they had to be here. And they're already well aware of the problem. I wish we could go back to a place where you had that same passion for what we're doing as a church. I, 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 wish, you had, I wish you could see beyond your busyness to see what God might do through us as a body. I, w I wish we could all get back to where we wanted to, to do something, not just watch something. Where we could say, this is us, not I'm proud of the people who do. We've fallen. And here's, it, it, like I said, it happens to everyone, and, and that's where God's grace comes in. It's not, it, it, it doesn't make him stop loving us. It doesn't make him uh, send us to hell or anything like that. It just keeps us from being who we could. It just keeps us from being who we could. It keeps us from living out our potential, that, that thing he created us for, that image, the, the, the thing he wants to do in this area through us. And that's why I think the, the second part of that is, here's what's going to happen. If you can't rediscover that thing, I'm going to take the lamp, I'm going to move it somewhere else. Here's what I think he's saying. Hey, I have blessed you so that you could be a blessing. I have shined my light in your midst so that you can see it and that everyone else around it can see it. I have, I have plans for you. I have, a, I have a journey for you. I have a way I want you to join me in ministry. And as long as you're willing to, to follow me, I will continue to bless it. But if, if, if you've fallen that much where we're not there anymore, just let me know. I'll go find someone else who will. When we talk about Jesus needing us, when we talk about being the hands and feet of God, that's an invitation. It's not something that limits him. He can find any, he can accomplish, there is nothing that gets in the way of the will of God. Okay? God's will will be accomplished. The question is, will we be involved? He's allowed evil, it's rain. He's allowed choice and all that kind of stuff. There will be twists and turns in the road, but ultimately God's will will be accomplished. The question is, will we be with him or not? And he says, if you don't want to play, let me know. 
I'll move the light somewhere else. I've blessed you. I want to shine through you. I want to do that. I, I brought this all together because there's potential here. And it's not just our church. It's not because we're unique and special. It's every church. It's every, whenever two or three are gathered, it's not about us. It's about church in general. If we don't take what he's given us and use it for his kingdom, there's parables about this, the parable about the, the talents and everything else. So you, this is a concept that we need to get. He gives us everything, but it's our choice whether we're going to participate or not. Here's what I need you to do. We're going to be talking about this over the next few weeks. First of all, the thing I need you to do is come back next week. Okay. I know we talked about money. I know I stepped on your toes. I need you to come back next week. I need you to, I need you to be willing to, to be pushed a little bit. I know it hurts. I know it's hard. I don't like talking about it any more than you like hearing about it. If I could have, I wouldn't have showed up at church this morning. This is my least favorite time of year. It makes me uncomfortable, makes you uncomfortable. But you know what? And somebody tell me this week, she's a nurse, and she said, why are you apologizing? I'm a nurse. I had this guy in. He's dying from, from drinking too much. It made me uncomfortable, but I had to just tell him, if you drink again, you will die. It, you're not about to die, but we're well on our way. And out of love, you've got to say sometimes, hey, pay attention. That's what I'm trying to do. Hey, pay attention. This thing we love so much could go away. This, this thing that we, that we have invested so much in, it's, it's not a guarantee. Go visit churches around. They all had the same promise when they, they started. There was all, there was all, a, nobody started a church and said, wait, I can't wait for 10 years when we're not doing anything and we have to not pay the light bill. Nobody says that, but that's where they end up because it creeps in, it creeps in, it creeps in. So stay with me. All right, we're going to celebrate communion this morning. Remember we talked about that feeling that you had when you first loved God? That feeling, that passion. We're going we're gonna to celebrate communion. Before we, uh, before we do that, we're going to sing a, a chorus. And for the, those of you parents that you want to go get your kids, this is a good time to do that. But part of what keeps us from being able to trust, part of what keeps us from, from being able to, to go there is we have so many anxieties and worries. And money is one of those places where we really fight this. How are we going to make it if? What happens if? Da, da, da. So we're just going to open this time of communion with a, a little chorus, the cares chorus. I cast all my cares upon you. I lay all of my burdens down at your feet. So we're just going to sing this a couple times. It's going to center our hearts, and then we're going, to, we're going to receive communion, which is our remembering of what love caused God to do for us. And if we understand that, what our love will cause us to do in response. So let's sing this together. <laughs>